special was a blessing. And uh, I don't know if you notice, I always notice words like drawn, drawing people to Christ, drawing to him, because I like to draw. I want to draw people to Christ through my art. So um, thank you. That was a beautiful, beautiful special. I promised this morning that I would bring fish to, my goodness, we have a full house. This is wonderful. Amen. All right. And there's no game tonight or anything. Nobody's playing. Okay. Wow. Okay. Um, So if there are children in the audience, and I see a lot of children here. All right. I hope you like fish. How many of you like fish? Okay. I see two hands, a lot of adults. Okay. Depends which fish it is, right? The one your dad caught. You better eat that one, even if it's a carp. Um, How about Swedish fish? Yes, now I see some kids getting excited. All right. We're going to show you the presentation of the work. Okay, and after that, I am going to have some questions for you about fish, because tonight we're going to talk about fishing. All right, I love to fish. If I see a pothole with water in it, I want to stop and see if there's anything in there, okay? I carry my fishing pole in my car. Uh, What's the best thing to have other than owning a boat? Anybody tell me? Having a friend who owns a boat. Because that way you don't have to make the payments, you don't have to clean it, you don't have to... He just takes you out, right? So we're going to watch this video, and we're going to see in the next five minutes what your investment has done in Belize. Belize is a very small country in Central America. It is the only English-speaking country in Central America, all right? Now, they speak Creole, which is kind of, sort of, like an English, and I'll tell you some Creole in a little bit, but it's a British protectorate, kind of like uh, uh, the Bahamas and other uh, Caribbean countries, And it's a very small country, 350,000 people, but they need the Lord, all right? It's very poor, and uh, two-thirds of the roads are not paved, gentlemen. So, yes, four-by-fours are welcome. Um, Also, most of the people live from tourism. Cruises come in twice a week, and people make things out of shells and coconut shells and wood carving and all of this, and they sell them to the tourists. And the tourists come, they land, they go throughout. We have a zoo, we have zip lining, we have cave tubing. I'll tell you about that in a minute. Um, Very, very beautiful, small country. Just inside the coast is jungle. And we're talking 90 to 100, very humid. Some of you have been there. Um, And uh, not a whole lot in the jungle. Uh, A lot of mosquitoes, a lot of tarantulas, snakes, spiders, different things, okay. But um, not a lot of big industrial things. Their farming is citrus, oranges, limes, lemons, uh, cattle, corn. But they don't export a whole lot, all right. Their biggest industry is tourism. And guess what's happened in the last four or five months? No tourism. They closed the country. So a lot of people are suffering. Pray for them. Pray for the missionaries there. Because a lot of times they're having to be locked down in different cities. It's just like here. Act differently. In some cities, they let you get out a little bit more. In some cities, they want you to stay and that kind of thing. And things are closed up. So pray for the missionaries there. You know the Dinsmores. Dan Dinsmore came to help us. He came down with a a group to build, and as he was building our Spanish church, you're going to see a picture of it, God called him to Belize. So be careful when you come to work in the mission field, the Lord may end up calling you to stay there, okay? And they're doing a terrific job. They are uh, building their church, and they're living in it, and uh, pray for them as they continue to grow there. The Lord is just blessing them in many different ways. So um, as you see this film, I want you to ask yourself, how often have I prayed for the lead case? How often have I prayed for the work, the people there? Because you're going to see people that got saved, people that are baptized, churches, three churches now in nine years, okay, that you had a part in. 
Remember, the last time we were here, you were flooded, remember? And we were helping bring stuff in for the conference. Some of you maybe remember. Um, it's been a long time, but the Lord has done wonderful things down there. And so when you ask yourself that, think, I had something to do with that. I, 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 have, I had a part in that ministry by giving, by praying, by going. Some of you came. We want to thank you for that. Thank you for your faithful support. Thank you for your prayers. So as we watch this, Think about what part you had in it, all right? And then we'll come up. And the questions that I have for children who want to win a little baggie with two or three fishies, okay, are the following. Having to do with fish in the Bible. Think about all the instances where fish are mentioned, whether it's a man swallowing a fish Okay, uh, I want you to give me their name if it's in the Old Testament. You don't have to quote the scripture, but tell me about where it is, and I'll give you the fish. Okay, there are many instances in the Bible. There's even instances where people are eating fish. Okay, and there's others where people are being eaten by fish. So think about that while we're showing this, and afterwards I'll have some questions for you. All right, thank you. and we're excited to give a report of the last seven and a half years of ministry here and what the Lord has been doing and the next step which will be moving further deeper into Central America and the country of Honduras. In 2013, we started the Iglesia Bautista La Gracia in Buena Vista Village. We saw many people come to Christ while working in this village. In 2017, the Lord blessed us in sending Pastor Samuel Eck and his wife Elsa from Campeche, Mexico. They are doing a good work and reaching out to other surrounding villages. Please pray as Pastor Samuel is seeking residency status. In 2016, the Lord led us to start a church in Blackman Eddy on a borrowed camp property. We praise the Lord that he called Pastor Dan and Tracy Dinsmore of Canada to pastor this work, and they have now named the church Emmanuel Baptist and have been able to purchase land and start construction. Please remember this church in prayer as they seek to finish and secure their building. They are reaching the lost not only in Blackman Eddy, but have extended their reach into the twin towns of Santa Elena and San Ignacio. church plant has been here in Belmopan, the capital city of Belize. Just one year ago, we started holding services in conjunction with new missionaries, John and Elizabeth Scherzer. We have had good interest and attendance and have seen salvations and baptisms. It has been a joy to be involved with God's work here at Faith Baptist. Please pray for the Scherzers as they continue this growing work. has called us into the country of Honduras, further south in Central America, where we will be fully immersed in a Spanish-speaking ministry. And that has been our heart's desire all along. In November of 2019, we took a survey trip to the central mountain area of Honduras. The capital city of Tegucigalpa is in this region and has over a million people, a lot of traffic, and big stores. Missionary Evan Williams and his wife Carmen met us in the city, and we drove for about a half an hour to Santa Lucia, where he pastors the Iglesia Bautista Independiente Maranata. I preached in this church and we fellowshiped with this faithful congregation. BIMI missionary Karen Burdick is also active in this ministry.
We talked with Brother Williams and the others, and he asked us to consider planting a church in a town nearby, Valle de Angeles. He has had a burden for a long time for a Bible-preaching church to be started there. Valle de Angeles is a rural city of some 17,000 people. Their main industry is agriculture and artesanía, or handmade crafts. They are known for their fine painting, woodworking, and leather works. There is one Baptist work in the outskirts of the city, but a centrally located Catholic church is certainly the main church of this community. These people need to know the good news of the gospel and the eternal life found only through Jesus Christ and not a religion. Our plan is to move to Valle de Angeles in April of this year and try to start Bible studies as the first step in this church plant, while at the same time helping Brother Williams in his work in Santa Lucia. Would you pray for us? Pray that the Holy Spirit will go ahead of us and prepare the hearts of the people in Honduras. Pray for a smooth transition with all of the transactions and the things that we have to move. And pray for wisdom that the Lord will show us where and when to start the work. People need the Lord in Honduras and we want to bring the gospel there. I wanted to mention as well, some of you have probably noticed something different up here on the stage, and that is this picture that will have to do with a message, okay? And it has to do with fishing as well. All right, let's begin with the first question. If you know the answer, in the last church, two kids raised their hands, and then I said, yes, and they go, I don't know. Don't raise your hand unless you know the answer, all right? First question. Where in the Bible, Old or New Testament, is there an instance where Jesus told someone to go and fish with a hook? Oh, come on. Yes. I'm sorry? In the New Testament? Okay. What happened? Tell me. Who was it? Do you remember? Peter. What did he tell Peter to do? That's one of the most exciting stories to me. Can you imagine Jesus saying, okay, I want you to go, drop a hook. I don't think, he didn't mention bait. He just said drop a hook. And the first thing comes up, open the mouth and take money out. And pay the taxes with them. Now, how, how many of you would love to go fishing that way? I would, wouldn't you? Bait's getting expensive. Come on up. Give her a hand. Good job. She's the first one to answer that correctly. All right. Thank you. All right. Second question. This one's easier. So some of you will probably want to jump up and raise your hand. Where are fish first mentioned in the Bible? Oh, my. Yes, sir. Back there with the glasses. Good. What does it say, basically? Come on up. You, you, I mean, you, you're right, but tell me what, what about. <laughs> How does it talk about fish in Genesis? Amen. Very good. And God created the fish. Good. I hope you like these. Do you like them? Good job. All right. Next question. This one's a little more challenging. And you adults are welcome to participate. I know you like fish. All right. Now, where in the Bible does it talk about Jesus eating Fish. There are two instances. Yes, sir. After, 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 
Amen. Nobody knows that one. Everybody says the other instance. Okay, come on up. Good job. After the resurrection, he had a glorified body. And guess what he ate with his glorified body? He appeared in front of the disciples and they gave him fish. What else did they give him? What did he put on his fish, which is what I like to put on my fish? (laughs) They didn't have ketchup back then. He said, is there anything to eat? And someone handed him a piece of broiled fish and a honeycomb. I eat my fish with honey and lemon drops. Oh, it's good. All right. Last question. Do you know the other instance involved with Jesus eating and cooking fish? Some of you adults are getting excited. You can raise your hand. Is that? She's just scratching her head. Okay. Come, this pastor, you, that's, I mean, you got to teach him the doctrine, brother. All right, anybody? Yes. Okay, okay, indirectly, Jesse, indirectly, he caught me. Okay, I'm going to give him his fish. Yes, obviously, probably, Jesus doesn't say, but Jesus probably ate the fish sandwich, right? Not from McDonald's, but the other one. Okay, good. Yes. But there is another instance in which Jesus was making breakfast. Yes? Okay. Okay. It was in the New Testament. It wasn't in Acts. It was uh, in the Gospels. And, and he told them, fish on the other side of the boat, and they couldn't get it in. And he was uh, on the shore, and it says he had some fish on the coals. Very good. I will make you come up. I'll bring this to you. All right. Well, who would you like to designate to someone? Oh, okay. (laughs) She was quick about that, wasn't she? Very good. Give them all a hand. Now... If you are a student in this school, tomorrow I have a little more fish left and I have some more questions and I will have another picture here. You'll see this one as well. And you will get, one person will get to come up and participate and help me finish the painting, okay? So tomorrow during chapel, we're going to have a good time. Meanwhile, let me see if, This is working. Yes, all right, wonderful. Open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 4. Matthew, chapter 4. We're going to read verses 17 through 22. Matthew, chapter 4. As you see here in this picture, in this map, Belize is a very small country, And we have to cross the borders of Guatemala to go into Honduras. I have a 16-foot box trailer sitting in Belize full of my stuff, okay? Mostly books, Bibles, materials. And I can't move it because both borders are closed right now. So pray that the borders would open. And then once we get there, we've sold both of our vehicles because they would not take vehicles that are uh, older than seven years. So it had to be a 2014 on up. Well, I'm sorry, I had a 2001 Nissan Xterra, and I love it, and I'm going to miss it. The Dinsmores have it now. Uh, Another missionary couple there bought the other one. It's a little, uh, it's a Honda Odyssey, beautiful car, and we couldn't take it because it's a 2007. They wouldn't let us take it. So we'll have to purchase a car, Pray that the Lord will provide funds for that down there in Honduras, okay? Uh, We've been renting a house for six months now. We haven't been living in it. Now, the lady was gracious enough to let us pay half, but still, we had started. As it said in the presentation, April 1st was our date, 
And we had everything packed and ready to go. Sold our furniture, sold our stove, ladies. Imagine cooking in a little frying, square frying electric pan for four months. Okay, yes. Missionaries have to be, I mean, it's like camping full time, all right? It's great. By the way, I see a lot of RVs. A lot of people camp up here in, in Michigan. I don't know what it is. Is it because we're close to Elkhart, Indiana, the camping RV capital of the world? I don't know. But I love camping. But uh, pray for us because as soon as those doors are open, they can't wait for us to get down there, all right? By the way, I just wanted to open up. Do you have a quick, quick question about the presentation at all? We started three churches in Belize, two in English, one in Spanish. We want to work with Spanish-speaking people. We went to the capital, this last church. We knocked on doors for many months. Not one Spanish person came or called. Okay, At the very end, a lady called and said, I'm just visiting here from Guatemala. I'm a Baptist. I saw your church. Do you have... And so I, had, you know, I said, well, I'll interpret for you, but our church is in English. But we did keep seeing people that were dark, short, and looked Hispanic. And I would go up to them, buenas noches. Uh, queremos invitarle a la iglesia. Acá está un tratado, un papelito. And they would look at me and they would say, I don't speak Spanish. <laughs> they were Mayan. They spoke English and their own Mayan language. And I wasn't going to say, Lord, not Mayans. I mean, we're looking for Spanish. No, they came. We got them into the church. They started inviting their families, and they, they filled the church with Mayan people, okay? They need the Lord, too. And so when he brought them in, we preached to them. That's, you saw me baptizing them. It was a lot of fun to baptize them in the pool because the water is this, and they're about that tall. So <laughs> it was interesting, but you find ways, okay? And, and the Lord blessed, and now the Scherzers are there. They're doing a terrific job, okay? Pray for them. So we've left all three works, and then we said, Lord, we've worked ourselves out of a job, but we'd really like to be in a Spanish country, all right, immersed. And so the Lord opened up the doors through our pastor, our mission board. We visited Honduras. It's cooler. The city is cooler where we're going to be, which was Icing on the cake for us. It was wonderful. And here's the cherry on the icing on the cake. All right? You know I love art. This is, this is my, uh, my, my dream come true. Anytime I get a chance to do art, I love to do art. When I was, some of you asked me, where are you from? I'm just going to give you a 30-second testimony. I was born in Peru, South America. My father was... German, Lietke, okay, it's not a, a Spanish name. My mother was Sanchez, okay. My father was six seven. My mother was five foot tall. <laughs> Most Peruvians are very short, all right? Some somewhere in the middle. Okay, now, by the time I was a year old, my dad was gone, and he never came back. In fact, after a while, the government declared him deceased, okay? And my mom was declared a widow. When I was 10 years old, my mom died in a car accident. She was a teacher. And my grandmother took me in, and she took me to the Capitol, where she worked in a, in a home for university students. And a man came to visit us from Warsaw, Indiana, Wynonna Lake, Indiana. He was a printer, and he was a businessman. And he gave out some little blue books. Do you know who I'm talking about? The Gideons. And he was a Gideon. And he gave the gospel. He's not supposed to preach, but he did give the gospel in, in our Methodist church. And it was the first time I heard the gospel in a way that was uh, confrontational. I had never heard of it that way. I heard beautiful stories from the Bible, but no one had ever said to me, did you know we're all sinners? Are you, do you know for sure where you would go? No one had asked me that. So after a while, we got to know each other a little bit through an interpreter. He didn't speak any Spanish. I didn't speak any English, very little. And my grandmother spoke some English, and they wrote to each other for about a year. Then he brought me to the States. And my grandmother asked him, put him in a Christian home. And he put me in a home in Elkhart, Indiana. And that's where I came to know the Lord as my Savior. I learned English. 
and they placed me in the Baptist Children's Home. Some of you may have heard of the Baptist Children's Home here in Alma, Mount Pleasant, St. Louis, okay. Um, they have a branch here, and they're in Valparaiso, Indiana. My foster parents are from Holland, Michigan. So I have a lot of ties to Michigan, okay. He's Dutch. All right. I don't know if that explains some things. Okay, I save everything, every baggie, every, okay, every penny, all right? Hey, when I went out on a date, he said, look where the needle is. Okay, when you bring this car back, it has to be exactly where the needle is now. So you put gas in it, all right? So I didn't go very far on dates. And we, <laughs> we, we split a slice of pizza, that kind of stuff, all right? But he was very disciplined, and he taught me a lot of things that I needed to know. And this day, we just went to visit him, them, and uh, they're, they're getting up in age. And, and Brenda, my wife, said, boy, you're so much like him. I, I, I hadn't dawned on me how much you learned from him. And that was my teenage years. I went to college to study art, a Bible college in Greenville, South Carolina. Okay? And... After that first year, I was doing great. I was getting A's. One of my teachers was from Michigan, Daryl Coons. He would sell his paintings for $3,000 of a, just a simple painting of a barn. Okay, And I wanted to do that. I wanted to be a Thomas Kincaid. I wanted to be famous and give money to the church, give money to missions, right? God didn't want that. God wanted me to go. So I struggled and struggled with that call. And one day, one summer, my roommate came from Indiana, 18 years old, Bobby Eisler. He came down. He wanted to be a missionary to Haiti. He had Polaroid. How many of you know what Polaroid is? Okay. Well, some of the kids. All right. There are little pictures. It's a machine. You push a button, and the little paper comes out, and then it turns into a picture. Okay. A long time ago. Okay. He put those up on his wall, and they were of little kids in a bus. He had gone to Haiti on a one-month uh, mission trip, and he would pray for them, and he wanted to be a missionary. He was going to start college that, that coming fall, and he, we only knew each other for one month. And he would put me to shame. He would kneel down and pray for those kids and read his Bible. And one night, the um, supervisor, the dorm suit, called me, and said, I don't know how to tell you this. It was a Saturday night. Bobby had been at a camp, a Christian camp, working. They put him painting a float in the middle of a pond, a lake. He stood up. He fell, he hit his head, and he drowned. Bobby Eisler, 18 years old, didn't even have a chance to go to school, wanted to be a missionary. I ran upstairs with tears in my eyes, and I knelt on his bed, looking at those pictures, and I asked God, would you let me take his place in the mission field? I've been running away from you long enough. And I have never, that call has never, I've never had a doubt in my heart. Um, then I changed my major to Bible. And it's interesting, as soon as I was in the right path, I met this tall, good-looking, redhead, okay? She was very serious. She was from up north, Providence, Rhode Island. And she wasn't coquettish like some of the southern gals that come around saying, Hi, boys, you need any sugar? Uh, she didn't, okay? And the Lord put us together. She thought I was Italian for a long time. I had to tell her, no, I'm from Peru. But she still married me, okay? But we've been married 36 years, and the Lord has blessed. We've had four children. Our daughter is in college. She wants to serve the Lord. And she's majoring in counseling. She's an artist as well, and probably better than me, okay? My three sons are in Indianapolis in a good church, and one is getting married in October, as I mentioned. All right. Um, but the Lord has used us, and that first year, I cried because I thought I will never be able to use my art. I'll never be able to draw or paint. I'll have to study Hebrew and Greek and all those things, and I'll never... I was wrong. My first year we went to missions, we were in, in, in Michigan. And a man by the name of Ding Tuling, I thought he was going to be Chinese. He was Dutch, okay? <laughs> uh, he taught me a lot of how to do chalk messages 
and uh, then I used it in the ministry. I've been using it ever since. It is one of those things that opens doors at schools, public schools in Belize, as well as in Honduras. They told me, oh, man, you come down. You just walk into any school and say, I'm an art teacher. I'd like to be able, because we taught, I taught in high school. And uh, can, I, can I give some free lessons on drawing? Or can I do a, a Bob Ross <laughs> without the Afro? And, uh, and they love it. They love it. And so that has opened doors for the gospel for us. So pray for us as we plan to do the same. The cherry and the icing on the cake is this. That town where we want to go and start a church is about 10, 10, 12 minutes away from the bigger city where this brother is, Brother Evan. He's Irish. Uh, He's also with BIMI. That town is a small cobblestone little village. And it's full of artists and artisanry. And so what a wonderful place to just rent a little room and put a sign, free art lessons, right? Uh, for kids, whatever, during the day, and then at night, Bible study. So I plan on doing that and using that for the gospel. All right, so you pray for us. We are in Matthew, Matthew chapter Five. Uh, I'm sorry, chapter, yes, chapter five. Chapter four, I'm sorry. My wife and I didn't get to go fishing very much, but we used every opportunity. Every um, anniversary, she knew what I loved, she knew what I liked to do, and so she would say, let's go to the, the ocean, because we're two, two and a half hours away from the ocean. And we rented a boat, and we went out. And, okay, my wife is going to have to tell you the truth, because no one believes me. The day that we went out, all right, all right, there. Um, I caught the bigger fish, didn't I? Okay, I'll give you money later. All right. (laughs) I caught the bigger fish, but as it got close to the boat, it jumped up. It was a barracuda. It was, well, it was bigger than hers. And it jumped up just like... uh, northern pike or whatever do and spit it out all right but hers stayed on the hook so she got the bigger fish that day and that's why she's laughing in that picture all right and I don't look too happy on another anniversary we were out on a boat and it was the end of the day it was beautiful we have beautiful sunsets and all of a sudden a little boat came up beside us and I thought boy is this who is this is this coast guard what what are they doing and it was two uh little men, two fishermen, and if you see the man there, you see his little box of fish, that's the first thing that caught my eye, okay, and I thought, wow, he caught a bunch of fish, and then my eyes went to the right. Does anyone know what this fish is? It's a Goliath grouper. Imagine all the people you could feed with this fish, okay. It's bigger than him. It took him 45 minutes to catch it, and he was so proud that he had to pull up beside the gringos and tell them about it, okay? (laughs) So I took a picture, and I show it. All right. Um, Everyone wants to catch a big fish, right? We all, when we go fishing, we don't think, oh, I just just want a tiny little one. That's usually what I end up catching there on the left, okay? (laughs) Uh, We're in Matthew 4, and we're going to read uh, verses 17 through 22, and we're going to talk about fishing. All right. I have seven minutes. Very good. All right. The Bible says in Matthew four seventeen, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishers. What were they doing? Okay, they were casting a net. Remember that. Okay, he said unto them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. What were they doing? Mending their nets. Good. Remember those two things. And he called them and they immediately left the ship and followed him. All right, and their father. So tonight we're going to talk about fishing. The two things that they were doing is casting the net and mending the net. 
All right? Notice that Jesus did not tell them, follow me, I am a carpenter by trade, and I will make you carpenters. He said, you're going to be doing what you know how to do, but in a different context. You're going to be catching men. All right? Um, so what is the mission of the church? We mentioned that this morning. The preacher talked about the mission, the purpose of the church. Oftentimes you go into a business and it'll say our mission, right? Our vision, our purpose. And most, a lot of times they don't follow that. You know, it's like, oh, it says right there. that, Yeah, well. Uh, the church ought to follow its mission, all right? And when Jesus started the church, he was talking to Peter, and he said, I say unto thee, thou art Peter. And the word there in the Greek is Petros. What does it mean? Little pebble, little stone, okay? And upon this rock, it didn't say upon thee or upon you, Peter, as some churches teach. He said upon this rock. What was he talking about? Well, the word in Greek there is Petra, which means huge boulder, foundation stone. Who is our cornerstone? Jesus. And the statement of faith that Peter said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, said was a statement upon which Jesus was going to build his church. Because everyone that belongs to the church is a member of the church, has to believe that and be a believer in that. Okay? So, he builds his church. He starts out this way. Then he gives his church its mission. And he tells them, okay, all power. And he quoted this morning. It's interesting how the Lord interacts all these messages together. All power is given unto me. Okay, and that word power, dunamis, dynamite, dynamic. Okay. Also means authority is given unto me. Go ye therefore with this authority that I'm giving you, that was given me. And teach all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And in Acts 1.8, ye shall receive power, same word, okay, dunamis, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. That word is marturion. What does it sound like? Martyr. What does a martyr do? The same thing a witness does. What does a witness do? He stands in court and he says, this is what I saw. I saw that car coming through the window and it hit this person and it crashed into that, right? He tells what he saw, all right? Now, what if that hurts him? What if somebody says, well, you didn't do anything about it. You, you're going to jail. It doesn't matter. He has to tell the truth, right? The witness does. And there were witnesses, the first century, that said, I believe in Jesus Christ. And they tied them up and burnt them alive. They tied them up and they threw them into the sand to fight animals. And they died a horrible, painful death. They crucified some of them, okay? All because they told the truth. I believe in Jesus Christ. No, I will not recant. So Jesus said, you will be witnesses to me. Okay, one way or another, your, your life is going to tell my story, what happened to you. So, but you're going to receive power. You will be witnesses where? Not just here in Judea, not just in this city, in this county, in this state, but the people, somebody here is from the UP, eh? And I told them, I once was a troll. Some of you know what that means. The UP people think all the people in the lower are trolls because they live below the bridge. That's where trolls live. Okay, never mind. That was, it was weak. Okay, it was weak. All right. So, Christ gave, Christ gave the mission to the church, okay? And then what does the church do with it? Each member of that church needs to take on that mission and say, okay, I'm going to own this. Jesus is telling me this, and I have to do what he told me to do. What is that? Well, basically the two things that those fishermen were doing. Casting the net of evangelism, witnessing, soul winning, right? He told them to go to all nations in Matthew 28 and Acts 1-8 to the uttermost in Matthew 9 
to pray for more laborers. Okay, you're not going to be able to pull that net in. You're going to ask for help. Remember that when they had to ask other boats to come and help us. We can't pull them all in. All right. In uh, 1 Corinthians, it says we are laborers together with God. Jesus is in your boat. He wants to help you. He wants to go fishing with you. All right. And then the second part is mending the net. What does this mean? Well, a lot of churches only cast the net. All they do is evangelism, 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 pass out tracts, knock on doors. And that's all we do, brother, because people need the Lord, and that's all we need. So what happens? The church then fills with baby Christians. And that is very dangerous. Because a baby Christian doesn't know the doctrine. And this nice-looking young man, like I saw last night at Walmart, three young men, where they looked about 17, 18, but they had elder right here. Uh, and they're always very nice-looking, aren't they? And had this black tie and, and black pants, you know. And they come to your door very friendly, very friendly. And they make worm their way into your life. And they start saying, oh, we're Christians too. Oh, we use the Bible, but we use this one book. Or we have this magazine. And if you are not learned, if you have not been taught in the scriptures how, what to say, what to do, a lot of baby Christians end up leaving, going that way. Okay, so there has to be a balance. Now, by the same token, the second part is mending the net. That is discipleship, teaching, equipping, exhorting. Okay, we are to be in 2 Timothy. Let's look at that. Uh, 2 Timothy 2, we are to be prepared vessels. The Bible says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ. And I hope that everyone here tonight would say, I am a Christian. Not, I am religious, I have a lot of faith, but I have placed my trust on the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for me in the cross. If not, you can do that tonight. But everyone that names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself of these, removes these things from their life, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, separated from the world, and meet or appropriate, okay, for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. Prepared. So what we're doing tonight is we're preparing you. And what the pastor does in Sunday school class and in prayer meeting and the different times that you get together, you are preparing yourselves to go out there and do the job that a Christian ought to be doing, casting the net. And then you come back here, if you're more and more prepared and more mature, then you can start preparing others, okay? And to every good work. So Christ sanctifies and prepares us. And then you say, but I don't, I don't know, I can't play the saxophone like Brother Jesse does. I can't sing like those ladies. I can't. And we oftentimes look at the things that we can't do. Did that little boy, when Jesus fed the 5,000, did that little boy say, I can't, this is not going to go very far. I mean, maybe two or three of us can eat from this, and I better not give it to him. No. He just went up to Jesus and said, this is all I have. Here it is. It's yours. What did Jesus do? He multiplied it, didn't he? You will be astonished at what God can do with you when you place your talents, as little as simple as they may be. What did Moses have in his hand? A bazooka, right? No, he had a stick. And once he gave it to God, it says it was God's rod. What did he do with that rod? He made water come out of the rod. He parted the sea. Can you do that? Not even with a stick, right? Uh-huh. Now you say, well, Moses didn't do that right. The rod didn't do that right. But when you give him what you have in your hand, he will use it in a powerful way. And you'll be surprised. Wow, did I do that? Was I? Look how many kids came. Look how many people. Look how many ladies I've been able to help and influence. And look at the people. My family came to church. I don't believe it. Sometimes we're doubtful. 
Remember what Jesus asked his disciples? O ye of little faith. Where is thy faith? All right. Not only does Christ prepare us, sanctifies us, but he equips us. All right. He gives you talents. He gave some apostles, prophets, others evangelists, some pastors, teachers. Why? For the perfecting, maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying, building up of the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ. And some of you have talents, and I hope you're not burying them. I hope they're not, you're not digging out there and putting your talent and saying, I'm sorry, I'm a little shy. I'm sorry, I don't think others are so much better at that. No, God wants you serving. Yes, others may have five talents, and they use them. They come up, and they speak, and they play the instrument, and they sing, and they're even good looking. Okay? And you think to yourself, I'm none of those things. All right? The Lord can use you. He wants to use you. What did he tell the one man that buried his ta- talent? He wasn't very happy with him, was he? You should have invested it. At least brought it in where something can come out of it. Don't hide your talent, all right? So what is the mission of each? I'm sorry, one more thing. There has to be unity in the church. You can't be saying, well, I believe this, or brother so-and-so, or sister so-and-so does this. Well, I don't, we don't see eye to eye. There has to be unity. All the members of that one body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one spirit are we baptized into one body, that there should be no schism. That means what bananas do best. They split. Okay? There should not be splits in the church. You can eat banana split, but no other kind of splits. Okay? Uh, no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another, and whether one member suffer, brother so-and-so has cancer, sister so-and-so is in the hospital, all of you ought to be feeling that. All of you ought to be praying. All of you ought to be doing something to help that part of the body, just like this little finger where I got a splint, and it hurt. And this whole body worked very hard to get that splint out, okay? In the same way, this whole body ought to be working to help that brother, that sister in need that is hurting. All members suffer with it, or it says if one member is honored, one of you gets a bonus at work, one of you gets promoted, one of you gets a reward or gets recognized, one of you has a baby, One of you gets married. Everybody rejoices, right? You have a birthday? We all celebrate. Why? Because we're a body, right? When your tummy receives something that it likes, what does the rest of the body do? It goes, mmm, right? Mm Mm-hmm. It's happy. So if someone here is honored, is blessed in some way by God, don't think to yourself, well, I didn't get a new car. Well, I didn't get promoted. I didn't get a, um, they didn't give me any bonuses. No. You should be thinking, thanking the Lord and thinking, I'm going to go and shake their hand. I'm going to go tell them I'm happy for them. I'm excited. Why? Because we are one body. All right? What does John 13, 35 say? What did Jesus say would be your banner as Christians? What will be your distinguishing mark? They shall know ye are my disciples by your temper. Right? How you drive. And I've seen some people drive over here. Man, the trucks, the loud ones, they pass you. Yeah. Uh, No. Ye shall know your Christians by your love. Why? Because the world doesn't know love. The world knows lust. The world knows other things, but it doesn't know really true love like the love of God. We as Christians ought to be showing love to each other and to the world so that they will see these people are different. They may even say these people are weird. I mean, I do this, this, and this. They don't do any of those things. I wonder why. See, they should be attracted to Christ by the way you are and by the way you live, okay? So, what is the mission of each member? Casting the net of evangelism and 
witnessing, soul winning, everywhere, and you've been doing that, okay? Some of you have been casting the net, probably most of you praying for us, some of you have been going, some of you helped us pass out tracts and things, and people have been saved, okay, in Belize and in other places. But also mending the net, meeting here together, encouraging each other, exhorting each other, counseling. Some of you have an ability, and you have our you program, by the way, that is mending. Some of those nets are pretty ripped up, aren't they? And they need some loving to mend from the whole church. Don't think to yourself, well, Brother Jim is talented in that. He's a good man for that. We'll just leave him in charge of that, and he knows how to make chili, right? No, no. All of you ought to be praying for this ministry. All of you ought to be loving on these people because they're coming to you for answers, for acceptance, all right? And so it ought to be shown. People ought to be able to see that. Um, and then mending the net, discipleship, teaching, equipping. Some of you may be. I heard an opportunity to help with uh, nursery. <laughs> okay. Their favorite verse is, we shall be changed, right? At the right time. Uh, I couldn't do that. Okay. I'm sorry. It's very hard for me. I've done it. I have done it. You remember that one time I changed diaper? Okay. <laughs> I have done it. And, but... God gives us people who are talented and willing and so good at it, and they don't put it on inside out or backwards like I do and all of that. But uh, you may have a talent. You may not even know. You may just say, I'm willing to serve, and, and vacation Bible school is coming up, and what can I do, Pastor? <laughs> Pastors love to hear that, okay? And they may put you doing something. Okay, I need somebody to stand here and tell everybody to do this, and you're like... That's all. I mean, I wanted to be up front or do, no, no. That may be a vital. And then through that, you may discover, oh, wow, they really like how I did this. Or it looks like I might be able to do this other thing, okay? They want me to start teaching or they want me to start helping with this. But you have to start somewhere, all right? Prepared vessels, equipped body. Now, this does not mean that everyone's going to get saved. Let me name two preachers to you. Probably some of the best preachers. I know one of them was. And people left their church. People laughed at them. One was the Lord Jesus Christ. What? People left the church? Yes. Jesus' church? Yes. It says... After this, many of his disciples walked no more with him. They left him. And remember the Pharisees? How did they treat him? They weren't very nice, were they? They didn't believe. They rejected his own people. The Jewish people rejected him. So if we measure success by the crowds, if we measure success by the results, the people that come forward crying, Jesus didn't have that. What did he say? Wide is the gate that leads to judgment, right? But narrow is the gate, and few there be that find it. Don't ever measure a man's, in the ministry, his success by numbers. Don't ever compare, well, this one has 27 churches in, you know, three months, and this one, been there 20 years, hasn't... Listen, there are countries like France and like Africa where there's a lot of Muslim people and Indonesia. Very difficult, very difficult to get one convert. You have to risk your life, okay? North Korea, it's very difficult to be a missionary there, okay? So there are places, don't ever compare. Don't ever say, well, this one is doing a terrific job. This one, I don't know. No, it's just different fields, there are fields in Ecuador, people came to our door and said, are you the evangelicos? That means the non-Catholics? Yes. Would you come to our house and teach us the Bible? <laughs> we had Bible studies every night, okay? But that's not going to happen everywhere, all right? Jesus said to them, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. Another time that he made that confession, all right? Another great preacher, Paul. Powerful, dynamic preacher. And how did they react? 
Paul and Silas, some of them believed. And a lot of them, great multitude it says, but some mocked, they made fun of them. And others said, we'll, we'll hear you again in this matter. I'm not sure, I, I want to come back later, okay? So you will have the same results. When you go and knock on the door, some people will say, yes, I, I've never heard of this. This is great. Yes, I'll come to your church. Yes, I'm ready. I'd like, I'm interested. It happens, okay, once in a while. Other people will just slam the door right in your face, okay? Um, say, I don't want it. Get out of here. That's happened to me. And other people say, well, I don't know. Okay, thanks. I'll think about it. It is not up to you. When you place a track on someone's, in someone's hand, it is not you convincing them. What does that track have? Versus from the Bible, and this is whose word? God's word. It is God through the Holy Spirit speaking to them. So if they will read it, God is speaking to them. Remember that. So don't be shy in giving out a track. All right, so our mission is casting the net and mending the net. Don't fall asleep, kids. We're going to see the picture, okay? I'm going to finish, and we're going to do something very interesting with this picture up here. Okay, in just a few more minutes. Okay, Um, casting the net and mending the net. Let me finish with these questions, okay? There you go. Um, Are we saved by works? If I put on a uniform, a bonnet, a beard, or something, and I say I'm a religious person, does that save me? No. No. All right? The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, save us. And some of you, uh, some, some people may say, I want to wait a while. Okay? Well, the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, now, behold, now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Why? Because no one knows. If you go, to, which way is the cemetery? That way, okay. If you go to the cemetery and you were able to ask those people and they were able to answer you, did you know the exact moment that you were going to die? The majority of them will tell you no. I had no idea that cement truck was coming down the road, okay? I had no idea. Yes, the doctor told me I have three months, but boy, in two weeks I was gone. They don't know. No one knows, only God knows. So if someone says to you, I want to wait a while, just remind him and read him this verse. This may be, nobody can tell me, none of us here can tell me I'll be here tomorrow. Only God knows, all right? Um, If you are saved, you're a Christian, and you're baptized, you've announced to the world, I am a Christian, publicly, okay? Um, And you're a member of this church, Are you casting the net of evangelism? Are you helping reach the lost? Or are you mending the net of discipleship, teaching, serving, equipping others? There are nets. The training is there. The tracks are there. There are fish. The world is full of them. Okay? But God needs fishermen. Follow me and I will make you Fishers of men. Fishermen, will you go? Let me finish by telling you a story. This man, his name is Pastor Petch. And Pastor Petch is Mayan. And he has a great burden for Mayan people. And when I was visiting on the border of uh, Mexico and uh, Belize, he asked me, would you go with me and help me hand out these DVDs or CDs? And uh, I was skeptical. Oh, ye of little faith. These were shacks. Wood with uh, thatch, okay? Dirt floors. And I thought, who's going to have a CD player here, all right? It was such, my, my mind, my, I was, anyway. So I said, sure, sure, I'll do it. We started doing it. Fifth, about 15 minutes later, I start hearing preaching in Mayan, songs in Mayan, Everybody had a CD player. They were all cranking it up from each little shack, each little thatched roof. The, the, the Bible was being heard, you know, and I could tell it was preaching, you know. Open your Bibles, but in mine, I don't know what. But um, I was skeptical. Boy, was I embarrassed. 
I went up to him and I, was, I almost started crying. I said, I'm sorry. I, I, I didn't believe. I, I, he said, you just do it. You just do it. You just hand it out. Don't think about it. Don't think, okay, will these people be able to, will he understand? Just give it to him, and God will work through it. And then the second part of this story, uh, no, uh, it's still it's the, the same slide in the picture there, uh-huh, at the bottom. I like to draw. Well, the missionary that was there with me, uh, we were eating chicken uh, soup, okay? They were making chicken soup there in, the, in the, one of the little thatched roof houses. And a missionary, don't ever embarrass your missionary this way, okay? said, this man is an art teacher, kids. And there was like 12, 15 kids there. And he said, he's going to do something with you. Can you do something with them? I didn't have anything with me. I went in the car and started looking. And in the bottom of my suitcase, there was a piece of... Um, cartulina, a poster board. And it was folded up. It had already been used on one side. And so I thought, okay, this is white. I don't have a pen. I don't have a pencil. I don't have anything. And then it dawned on me. These people cook with wood. So I asked the boy, I said, your mom cooks with wood. Can you go get me a piece of charcoal? He said, sure. He came back and he puts it in my hand and I dropped it. It was still live. I said, no, I don't want to start a fire. I want to draw with it. Give me a dead one, you know, one that's not on fire. So he went back and got me another one. And I started drawing. And those kids were just, and they came. And this has happened to me many times where I just, I'll be in a restaurant, I'll be anywhere. I'll take a piece of paper and a pencil and I'll start drawing something. And then especially the children. Sometimes the adults are like, oh, wow, that's pretty neat. Can you teach me how to do it? And it just opens up doors. God is going to give you something. You have something in your hand. It may be a fishing pole, guys, mm-hmm. or a, a, a turkey call, okay? I don't know what it is that you can do and that you do well, but God is saying, follow me, and I will make you turkey callers of men, okay? Call all those turkeys out there that need the Lord. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but... Sometimes we think, well, we're not, we didn't go to college. We didn't go, well, I'm not prepared. Give it to the Lord. He will use it. I, when I gave my art to the Lord, he used it in a tremendous way. Now, usually at this time, if the music comes on and I go and draw and finish the drawing, I've already finished it for you, okay? So we're going to turn all the lights off, and we're going to see the rest of the story, the rest of this picture. And I'm going to turn the lights on as we turn the lights off. Now, these men have no idea when they cast the net what the results are going to be, right? You never know. I've been out there, okay, sitting in the cold wind, waiting and waiting, and nothing bites. That happens. But there are times in which you you need help pulling that fish in, okay? And there's something else, all right? Not only are you out there, but the Lord is with you. And it's the Lord that sends, what does the Bible say? It is he who giveth the increase. Okay, now let me see if I can reach this, <laughs> the top light. I had a taller guy back there with me a while ago, and he helped me. Okay, here we go. And so he's going to give you the fish, all right? Not only that, But the Bible says that he is with you. He helps you fish. All right? So Jesus will be there, and he will give the increase. You may not see them at first. In fact, there are going to be people in heaven that are going to walk up to you and say, thank you. I am here because of you. I'm here because you handed me this little piece of paper. And you never knew me, and you went away. But after that, I came to your church, or I went to this, and I I knelt down, and I prayed, and I am here today because you believed in faith, and you helped me by giving me, by casting the net. How many people are going to be in heaven because of you? Or are you going to say, Lord, when you enter heaven, and he says, "Uh, you don't have anything in your hands. Yeah, I'm sorry, Lord. I was busy. I, I had a family to do. I had a business. I had so many things to do. I did a lot of things in the church. I was busy. Yeah, but you have no fruit. 
I hope that all of us, when we get into heaven, will hear these words, well done, faithful, and then come, I want to introduce you to some more people here that are here because you gave, because you prayed, because you went, because you were willing to give of yourself and to give him your talents. All right, I'm going to hand it over to Pastor to close it.